0: following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Give it up for the Lord here today. Amen. Come on, get your hands warm. Come on. Clap to the Lord. Wow, what a joy to see. Are we having fun? Is this fun or what? There's nothing like church. There's nothing like the house of God. Amen. And when you come in on a, on a cold, cool Sunday morning, you know, folks, this is, this is the middle of summer in the north. Uh, it's all perspective. When the wind's not blowing, we can take 35, 34 degrees here when the wind's not blowing. It's a beautiful morning today. And it was a morning that makes you just want to go, yeah. put some Folgers in my cup or whatever. Mountain grown coffee. <laughs> I am goofy today. I really am. What a joy! We had a beautiful Wednesday night here with our Fall Fest, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, I thank God for the for the trailers that came and and fed the people, and the beautiful rides that we had for the kids. And next year we're going to be. It's going to be so much bigger and so much better because every year you folks appreciate it to another level. And we love to bless our children. And we had, we had kids here Wednesday night. We had some kids on the parking lot Wednesday night. We estimated probably between 3 and 3,500 people from 530 to 830 came and was a part of what we were doing here. And so it's just neat. We love to do that. We love to serve our community. But many of the people this time were people that were a part of Christian Life Church. And you were here in Mass, and we thank you for being here. Give yourself a hand for showing up for that. That's good stuff. We did miss having church. We really did. We missed having church, but it was, it was a fun, fun night, and I truly, truly enjoyed it. I want you to stand. We're going to go to the Word of the Lord today, and uh, if you're a guest here, we welcome you with all of our heart today. We welcome you. Let's give our guest a great hand. We're delighted to have you. We are on a sermon series, but before, before I, I, I get into the series, uh, one of my favorite young'uns is Octavius Bishop. And uh he and I have had a beautiful relationship for a long, long time and he's a dad now. When he came here he was a struggling single football NFL football player and then he married the prettiest girl in the church. And uh and God have mercy. I guess God this saved dawn for him. And they have now three children. He's a father, a doctor. She's a doctor, and we love these people so very much. Amen. And they've had their third baby. Uh, Dawn, I want you to bring that baby right here. Let me let me just let me just kind of show show Quinn off here just a little bit. Hey, come up here, honorable We're glad to have you back in church. I raise this kid right here. She's at she's at our house all the time. <laughs> I want you to look at little Quinn. Let's give her a hand here today. Hey, baby, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Can you see her? Oh, you got the we don't have to walk across the stage anymore. You can see the on the thing there. How you doing? You doing good? I'm so glad you look like your mother. Amen. <laughs> hey, I love you, sweetheart. Octavius, I love you, son. Let's give the bishops a great hand. What a that's neat stuff right there. That's good. That's good. We are on a, we're on this series of Four Cups, and I'm excited to minister and bring the gospel to you today. And, and thank you for being here early. I know the second third service will be full, but we are so happy to have this first church service. And uh, I, uh, I love to labor for this church. It's a labor of love. I love to labor for this church. I never, I never sense and feel like that I am obligated to do anything here I love to do this out of a love factor, and I do truly love the church. So turn to somebody and say cup number four today. Amen. Amen. We're calling it the unlived life. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. We're all on this spiritual journey. We've talked about this since the first week of the month when Brad talked about the promises that God gives to us, and God's a promise keeper. He's not just a promise maker. There's three kinds of people in the world. There's promise makers, say promise makers. makers. And then there's not so many of these, but then there's promise keepers. Say promise keepers. And then there's a third one I want to introduce today called promise trusters. People that believe when they hear something to be true that it will come to pass in their life. I wish I could say it all about men, but I can't say it all about men, but I can say it about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a promise keeper, and you can promise, trust Him, because He will deliver what He has promised in His his Word. I I read about a couple that got married back in in, in the mid-90s, and their 10th anniversary was just uh, about about 10 years ago. And and they, they realized something very unique their 10th anniversary, that their marriage had lasted longer than almost anything involved in the actual wedding. <laughs> the bridal store that, they, that helped them had gone out of business. The bakery had went bankrupt. The florist and the church janitor had both died. And even the pastor who performed the ceremony had left the ministry. Mm. There's a lot of people that just give up on life. I want to honor a little lady today at the first of my message I want to honor little sister Inez Ramirez. She, li- she left us the other day to go home. She crossed over. She was one of our first first uh, people that came with, with the Nebronia family to come to this church many, many years ago. And She loved me. She really did. She kind of wanted to claim me as her son, but I was just a little bit too old for that. So she claimed me as a young brother pastor. And uh, she left. She left us. Her daughters, uh, Mary, Helen, and Rebecca, are members of this church. Her son Joe's member of this church, and they've been members here a long, long time. And I told the family this morning that she she had crossed over. And and I will tell you this: that when the Lord says, "It's beautiful and precious are the death of His saints," it's an awesome thing to believe in that. Because when He makes you a promise, He's going to keep that promise. And He's going to take His people to where He is, that where He is, there we may be also. I think we ought to give a hand to a little life that was lived graciously and wonderfully and beautifully in this church. I won't put it on the screen again, but there are four core promises that the Lord gave to the, to the Israelites back in Exodus before He delivered them in Exodus 12. He said, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and say, and say I will bring you out. Say I will bring you out, say it. then he said, I will free you, say I will free you. Then he said, and we talked about it last week, I will redeem you, and now today we're going to talk about I will take you as my own people say I will take you as my own people. hallelujah we've organized our church around these four promises, have always had this vision, even before I knew about the four cups but let me pass them by you one more time. The first is what we call the cup of salvation when the Lord brought them out when He brought them out of Egypt, and they came out really miraculous because of the blood that was on the door and the fact that Moses had a rod in his hand and the sea opened, and they walked under a cloud, and they came out they came out free after four hundred and thirty years. God truly delivered them and we look at salvation as weekend events. we look at that it's good for believers, but primarily. It's about to reach people with this gospel that we preach here at Christian Life Church. And then the cup of deliverance was the second one. He said, I will bring you to, I will, I will, what did he say? He said, I will free you. I will free you, the cup of freedom. He said, I'm going to set you free from the thing that I brought you out of. One of the things that many of us have a problem with in our life is taking Egypt out of us after we've been taken out of Egypt. It's very difficult for us many times, but we need fellowship. We need mornings like this. We need these Sunday mornings. We need small groups. You see, real life change happens when you're a part of a relationship. Real life happens when you're a part of a relationship. And then last week we talked about the cup of redemption. He said, I'll redeem you. It, 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 it happens when you understand your purpose. When you understand your destiny, when you understand that this is what God has called me for. He's put me in this place in my life so I will know that I'm doing something purposeful for Him. And then this week we're going to talk about the cup of praise. We're going to talk about dream team living. We're going to talk about being involved and we'll show you in this message what it's all about. But I want to talk a little bit about the unlived life, the unlived life. Let me begin with a statement. God's ultimate plan, folks. For you is a life of fulfillment. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God doesn't want you to live a life of drudgery? He wants you to live fulfilled. He wants you to live life to the fullest. He said in John 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. The ultimate goal of the four cups of promise is to get you to live that unlived life. Amen. Amen. To pursue that project you've been dreaming about. To start that diet and health routine that I need. To finish that degree that you've been purposing for a long time. To learn how to play that instrument that you couldn't play before. To finally address that addiction and that habit in your life. To commit to a local church and get involved. To write that book. To compose that song. To drink from the four cups and live life to the full. I do a bucket list folks about every year a bucket list of things spiritual and things physical that I'd like to see and and it's it's and almost every month I review it it's it's my bucket list it's things I want to do before I kick the bucket and I'm not ready to kick it I've not even got my steel-toed shoes on yet to start kicking it. But the list includes three major categories. Number one is my, minister, my, my ministry purposes. And number two is my relationship pursuits. Things I want to do and places I want to go with my family and things I want to do. Then the third thing is what I call thrills. And, um, and, and I almost had one about three years ago when one of the gentlemen in the church here, Brother Don, took me out and we was going to jump out of an airplane and I was going to parachute. And uh, the clouds would not let me. See, the clouds had more sense that day than I did. And they said, we're just going to cover the area so pastor won't kill himself jumping out of an airplane. But that's still on my bucket list. And if you don't have a target in your life, you'll hit it every time. You'll never miss if you don't have a target. But when you've got a target, it's important to go forward into that target. Most people never get the fourth cup. They never live a life of fulfillment. They never have that zestful feeling. Or oh, they use zest, soap in the shower. But they never have that zestful feeling on the inside. If they do discover their calling and have a sense of what it is, very few live it out. Most of us live Monday morning, oh God, till Friday afternoon, TGIF. We live that. Why do so many people live lives unfulfilled? I believe, number one, we let the past cripple us. We let the past cripple us. I've said this several times in this series. We get stuck in cup two. Still struggling with our yesterday. Hear me today. Hear me with everything that's in you. When Jesus forgives you, it's over. When Jesus washes you, it's done. Somebody help me preach right now. Somebody say, Pastor, preach to us right now. When Jesus does his job, it is complete. When, he laid on, when he's on the cross and said, it is finished, write it down. It got finished. He finished it. He finished it. He finished it. And he, he has a no fishing sign in the blood where your sins were cast. Don't go fishing and pull them back up. David said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'm bowed down and I'm brought low. You'll never see your future, folks, until you settle your past. We've got some fall small groups going in session right now. And I get pictures and most of the pictures I get are bluebell pictures. I really do. I get it. Corey Redding sent me some Bluebell pictures today. He's beside a Bluebell. I wish I'd have put it up on the screen. He's beside a Bluebell dairy area at the store. And he's saying, Thank you, God, because Bluebell is there. Corey is my brother, my Bluebell brother in Christ. And he always sends me these. And he sends me new ideas and new, new, new flavors all the time. I don't know if he makes them up and just puts a sign on it. I don't know. But there's some that I've got to have in my life. But people are having fun in these small groups. They're having a blast because they're enjoying the relationship of sharing that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. And amazing grace can happen to everybody. Amen? So we let our past cripple us. The second thing we do is we let culture define us. This is cup three problem. Last week we we, we, we heard that 87% never drink from the cup number three. They never discovered God's plan and His design. In God's purpose, we've let substitutes and counterfeits and Satan's plan define us. Culture will try to change your identity, folks. You hear me? Everybody look at me and say, Pastor, I want to live this Christian life. Culture don't want you to say that. Culture don't want you to have that saying. When the Hebrew boys were taken down to Babylon, the first thing they did was change their name. They changed their name from Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They changed Daniel's name to Belshazzar. But old Daniel said, no, I just think I like the Israel name best. I'll just go ahead and stay with Daniel. And he wrote the book of Daniel. Then they changed their diet. They made them eat pulse. They made them eat things that, that, that would not Endure them and there that's where we learned the Daniel fast and after after 10 days Daniel's face and the Hebrew boys face were shinier And they were they looked they look like a glow on them because God can keep you with his diet better than hell can keep you with his diet But they also made them non-productive And so what hell wants to do is to change who you are and to change what you eat and what you think about and to make you Non-productive in the church hell's trying to change the identity of relationships Hell's trying to change the identity of marriage. The devil wants to rename us. But sometimes we care more about what people think than what God thinks. Galatians, Paul said, I am now trying, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? Or if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. You need to get in a strong church, and this is a strong church. We still believe that Jesus loves us, and we still believe that He is Lord. We still believe that Jesus is the answer for the world today, and He still is. And I don't care if it's a cold Sunday morning or a red-hot July the 4th. We still believe that He is the Savior. We still believe that He is the healer. We still believe that He's the deliverer, and He can do anything for us. Get in a strong church. Grow with God. Found out what God thinks. He created you and He alone knows. He alone knows. So we let the past cripple us. We let our culture define us. And we try to do it all alone. We try to do it all alone. God designed His plan for you to be fulfilled with the help of others. I did a research in the Bible. And the last lone ranger I found in the Bible was Elijah. There's no lone rangers in the New Testament. There's not. It's about people. It's about taking care of people and brother being brother and sister being sister. It's about community. It's about fellowship. It's about believers, plural. There's no lone rangers. And Elijah wanted to die several times because you just can't do this by yourself. See, true fulfillment never comes alone. God never intended for you to be an island. True fulfillment can only be attained in a group. That's why the Word describes the church in these terms. Not solitary, but we are the family. Say family of God. Say, we are part of the fellowship of believers. Say, fellowship of believers. Say, we're the body of Christ with many parts. Say, we're part of the flock of God. There's a lot of sheep in his pasture. Ecclesiastes said, there was a man all alone, and he had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. It's always better to have two or three or four in your life. In fact, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. He wants you to have relationship. He wants you to have community in your life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. This is why why you need the cup, the fourth cup, the promise of it. I call it the cup of fulfillment. Say fulfillment. Now I'm going to preach a little bit this morning. Because the fourth cup is what I call the cup of praise. I love to talk about praise. Exodus chapter 6 and 7 says, I will take you as my own people. Not person, but people. And I will be your God. The cup of praise. I love this cup. The Jewish people called this last cup the Hallel. H-A-L-L-E-L. Hallel. Hallel simply means to celebrate. It means to make a show. It means to get beside oneself. To get so excited about celebration that you kind of step outside the boundaries of who you are. It's one of the seven core words of the Hebrew words of praise in the Old Testament, words like Yada and Todah and Tehillah and Zamar and Barak and Shabak. Oh, hallelujah! I can talk Hebrew today. <laughs> and then there's Halel. Halel is the most identified word for the word praise in the Old Testament because God wanted people, when they praised Him, not just to raise your hands a little bit, not just to say thank you, Lord, not just to bow down and say praise Him. But he said, when you praise me, I want you to get beside yourself. I want you to get outside the lines of reason. I am a God that deserves to be praised with the highest praise, with the most glorious praise, with the most splendid praise. Come on now. I'm not a football team. I'm not a baseball team. I'm not an art center. I'm not a a political party. I'm not that. I'm your healer. I'm your Savior. I'm your Redeemer. I'm one that came and died for you. And I'm coming back again to get you. I want some Hallel praise out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Of course, by now, they had had three other cups of wine. It's appropriately named Hallel because Hallel means more than just celebrating. They were kind of saying Hallel. It's an internal, listen to me, this is what Hallelujah is. It's an internal Hallelujah. It reflects the condition of your soul. It's not just mouth praise, it's soul praise. It's giving Him everything you have from the innermost part of your being. It's living to life to the fullest. It's living large. It's a feeling on the inside. So the question of the day is, what brings fulfillment What's what's interesting is how God worded His final promise. He said, I will take you as my own people. He never promised to make you a fulfilled person. He promised to make you a fulfilled people. Punch your neighbor and say, let's all get fulfilled today. Come on. Come on, don't leave this service without being fulfilled today. Ultimate fulfillment comes first when you're part of a team. Then He says, I will be your God. I'm going to make you my people, then I will be your God. Get involved in your life to something that matters. Now most have heard and I've talked about it before in these sessions about Maslow's hierarchy of needs in 1943. He was a great psychologist. And his motivational theory was this. It was his theory of what motivates people. And he said we all have needs and when the needs are not met we are motivated with action to get them met. And he stated that people are seeking fulfillment. Do you believe that? They're seeking it from the most basic needs to doing all that they're capable of. People are looking for this thing called the meaning of life. The meaning of life. And so he listed seven needs, and I'm going to be quick with them. Number one is physical needs, like air, like food, like water and shelter and warmth and sleep. Then he listed safety needs. We need safety, like protection from elements and security and order and law and limits and stability. Then he mentioned love needs belongingness, and love needs, and family, and affection, and relationships. Oh, I feel like preaching today. Then he mentioned esteem needs, self-esteem, and achievement, and recognition, and to be complimented. You look good today. Things are wonderful in your life. I'm proud for you. Then he, re- he, he talked about cognitive needs, knowledge, and meaning, and need to know, and, uh, the need to understand, and, and to know things. Then he talked about aesthetic needs, appreciation, and desire for beauty, We all desire that. We all need that in our life. And then he talked about self-actualization needs. Realizing personal potential. And self-fulfillment. And being the best. Being the best that you can be. And seeking peak experiences. And climbing the mountain. And winning the battle. And winning the game and sports and ball and all those things. And and winning the elections and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's It's the last one, but it's there. But then there's a new one. There's a new one that I want to introduce today and I call it transcendence needs. I think it's the greatest need in a person's life. It's the ultimate life that you can live. Because transcendence needs is when we look beyond our needs and we forget about ourselves, and we start helping somebody else and we reach outside of our limits And we say, you know what, they're bigger than I am and they're richer than I am and they're greater than I am. But I have something in my spirit that I can help them with. And you reach outside of yourself and all of a sudden you sense real joy. It doesn't come from making a lot of money. Real joy does not come from having a lot of pleasure. It doesn't come from things. Real joy comes from knowing that my life is productive and that I'm making a difference for eternity in somebody's life. That's the transcendent need that all of us have in our hearts. Wow, I didn't mean to get emotional. Forgive me. But I feel this today. It is so easy to become me-it. Just me, me, me. So easy to have self-actualization to be the last need that we look to. But it's not. We need transcendence. We need to help somebody. Our world today needs somebody to say that somebody loves somebody. Somebody loves somebody. A world full of hate and, and, and all kinds of violence. We need somebody to step up and say Jesus loves you. And I'm one of his kids and I love you. And I want to take part of me out of me. And I want to give you love. And i want to show you affection. And I'm going to show you what it really is to live a purpose life in your life. Clap your hands and say amen to that. (laughs) Ultimate fulfillment comes when you're part of a family. and Making a difference because God is on your side. That's why our plan for the fourth cup is CLC's dream team. I call them our rock stars. Patty and I, two years ago on Memorial Day weekend, we left here on a trip that you folks blessed us with. And we landed in Barcelona, Spain. I couldn't even spell it before I went there. And then I fell in love with it because it's such a city that so needs God. We went around a lot of places and saw a lot of things and stayed there a couple of three days. Then we got on a ship and went all over that part of Europe, and you folks blessed us with that, and we still thank you for that. But I went to the place where the dream team came together. The 12 greatest basketball players of their day came together. We got tired of sending our amateurs over there and letting Russia beat us (laughs) and let somebody else beat us. So we decided if they can bring the pros we got some pros. And I'm not saying that we need pros in Christians, but I think we need some people that see the pros of Christian life. I think it's time to start to see it, stop seeing the cons of Christian life. And start seeing the pros of Christian life. And when that team got on the court, I felt so sorry for Angola. I feel so sorry for him because Charles Barkley said, I don't even know where it is. I can't spell it, but I know one thing. They're going to get a whipping on the basketball court. (laughs) And Barkley and the boys went out and did their thing. Can you imagine Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and David Robinson and all those boys on the same team and and these teams from over there saying, oh God, they sent the best. I want to stop and say, it's time. It's time for the church to be the best that it can be. It's time for me to not play my own little game here. And you play your game there. And you play your game here. But it's time for all of us to lock our arms together and play the game that God wants us to play. And that's reaching this world with the salvation of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? Can somebody in this church help me preach right now? Because I believe with everything that's in me. The basketball greats are not anything the dream team is like the church is going to be the dream team in this last hour. Come on, let's get together. Let's throw away our individuality and say, I want to be a part of something great because God Almighty has a plan for the church in this last hour. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. So, how do we drink from cup number four? And I, I'm coming to a close. It begins with a calling. Everybody say it begins with a calling. you got to know why. you got to know why. People lose their way when they lose their why. Why am I doing this? Why do I want to be a Christian? Why am I living this Christian life? Why? Because it's the greatest life you could ever live. Paul told Timothy, God saved us and then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. Hallelujah. See, calling is what inspires us. It's critical to realign yourself to the calling. And here's a calling. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I went to a birthday party Friday night. I didn't get permission to use this story, but Jeremiah Bridges turned forty, and he's in the building right now. Jeremiah won't be. I won't embarrass you, son. I love you. And there were there were guys there from his work, and Jeremiah has come from the recesses of a drug and alcohol world to a saved man, full of the presence and the power of God in his life, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And he just, he just did a 180. He did a 180. And he's now a member of our church board and he just lives a quality life. And the other night the way I know he lives a quality life outside the church is because the people that were there at his party were people that worked with him and they talked about him like he was their brother. He, he treats those guys that may not have a relationship with God just like he would treat a pastor that is his leader. Because everybody matters. See, it, 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 it matters. We want to make a difference. And when those people got up to talk about him and got to share the story about him, they saw nothing but the, but the saved and the sanctified and the, and the separated man of God that God has made in that young man's life. And he hugged my neck when he walked in today and I said, man, 40 looks good on you. He said, I hope 50 looks the same. But it will. It will. Because when you have this Jesus factor in your life, And you have a calling to be what God wants you to be. You will make a difference. You will make a difference in people's lives. People will see that you are different. If you don't know what that calling is, you need to drink the first three cups again. You need to get saved. You need to get delivered. And you need to get redeemed. And so not only does it begin with a calling, it stands on a cause. It stands on a cause. Cup four isn't about climbing mountains or riding bestsellers. It's about doing something that makes an eternal difference. Making a difference must be centered on a cause. When David came to fight Goliath, he didn't know he was going to fight him. He brought bread and cheese to his brothers and he realized there was a man been hollering 40 days at the armies of Israel in 1 Kings 1 Samuel chapter 17. And so he says, is there not a cause? In other words, is this going to be just a UFC fight to see who's going to win or is there a cause here? Is there a cause? Is there a reason why we need to go whip this man? And there was a cause. There was a cause and there was a reward. And David understood that when there is a cause, our cause is to serve the one that saved us. And our cause is to be focused on what he is focused on. And if his focus is on people, my focus should be on people. If his focus is on saving more people, my focus needs to get off of myself and reaching for more people. I'm preaching an old-fashioned soul winning sermon right now. But some of us in this house have such an ability, such an ability to win people. When you walk through a room, you're like Velcro. Things just stick to you. And people just flock around you. Those people need to follow you all the way to the church of the living God. And find a Savior. Because if they love you, they're going to love the Savior that has saved you. Somebody say amen to that. The cause is people. Paul said, "But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Here is the cause: do, doing something that makes a difference. So you want to make a difference? Then you've got to do something that makes a difference. I got a picture here of a man named Oscar Schindler. Put him up there, Oscar Schindler. I saw the movie years ago, but then I've read about him and read some exclusive works on Oscar. Oscar was in World War II, and he saved so many Jewish people from the Holocaust, from the gas ovens of the Nazis. And on his dying bed, on his dying bed, he said, "I wish I could have done more." He didn't say, "I wish I could have made more." I wish I could have had a better business. I wish I could have done more. That's what he died saying. He saved over 1,850 people that didn't have to go and face death and stand in the freezing cold and fall out from hypothermia. No, he said, I wish I could have done more. I want to awaken something in you. It may be cold outside, but there's springtime coming in your heart right now. God's springing up some desires to bless others and to make a difference in other people's lives. I want to put another man on the screen. His name is Desmond Dawes. Put Desmond up on the screen. There he is. Hacksaw Ridge boy. Conscience objector in World War II and they made fun of him and they mocked him. And that's the real Desmond right there. and one day at Hacksaw Ridge, he saved 75 people. Can you imagine? Listen, listen. Can you imagine walking into any business and saving 75 people in a day? Can you imagine God doing that? But he was at war and saved 75 men from death in one day. And when in the movie, he said this, he said, Just give me one more, Lord. Just give me one more just one more. Here's what I want to tell you. A church that grows and has prosperous growth and great growth like CLC has had, it's very easy to sit back on your lees and just get relaxed and say, you know what, we'll just come now and have church and we'll clap for the pastor when he does good and we'll go home and say, we'll write him a letter when he doesn't do good. But sometimes God just sends an old farmer by And he puts the plow about six inches deeper in your soil. And he breaks up the fallow ground. And there's some stuff down in there that's coming loose now. And you realize that I've got to make a difference. There is a cause. Jesus is coming. The world is coming to an end. And I've got to make a difference. And I want to make a difference. Can you clap your hands and say, I'm on that team, Pastor. I'm on that team. And it spreads, number three, from me to we. It's about us. See, real dream teamers realize I can't do it alone. It's no fun to do it by yourself anyway. As a, as a challenge escalates, the need for team elevates. This church needs to come together as never before. And it's not a separated church, but it needs to come together for a purpose as never before. There's a Mount Everest, the law of Mount Everest that goes something like this. Never underestimate the need for a team. And don't forsake the value of community. Because we all need a team. If we're going to escalate the mountain of this new building. If we're going to escalate the mountain of more growth. If we're going to escalate the mountain of a 10,000 soul revival. We've got to get together. We've got to feel the passion for purpose. We've got to have a destiny that says I've got to make a difference in somebody's life. See, I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people who want to make a difference. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Because when one's down, the other will pick it up. When the other's down, he'll pick them up. John said it this way, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Brother Randy if you'll come. So happy to have Pastor Randy and Sister Sherry back. and It's a joy to have them here today. They went on a conference trip. I want, want you to listen to me. I close today. From the time of Moses the Jews have celebrated the Passover in the same way. The celebration is called, the celebration is called Seder. And it means order in the Hebrew. And there's 14 steps in this, in this celebration. It begins with cup 1. Eating the bread, that's the Passover story. Cup 2 is the main meal. They prayed after the meal. Cup 3 closed with blessing. And then they read Psalms 113 to 118. If you want to know what they read at the end of their Seder meetings, it was Psalms 113 to 118. And they closed singing. And then Matthew says it this way, While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to His disciples saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then He took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. I tell you, listen now, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So Luke 22 adds the detail that this cup was drunk after supper. The third cup would have been drunk after supper. But then Jesus interrupts the Passover Seder, Seder, after cup three, and he says, He will not drink the fruit of the vine again until I am with you in heaven. Jesus never drank the fourth cup, he will drink that final cup with you and me. And I love that because heaven's going to be ultimate praise. It's going to be ultimate fulfillment. Being with Jesus in heaven. At the wedding reception. I want to tell you. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that party. That's going to be a party. But until we get there. We drink this fourth cup here. We drink it here. We celebrate. Two Wednesday nights ago. The Holy Ghost came down in this church and filled over 50 people just like that with the baptism of the Spirit. Can you clap your hands and rejoice to that? That's good stuff. Every time, every time we baptize people, every time somebody comes to this altar and seeks God, it's a win for the church. Everything's a win when people are coming forward. Everything's a win. And we believe with all of our heart that God's got a winning combination for Christian Life Church in South Austin would you stand to your feet you're incredible people and I wouldn't want to do life without you and I love you I love you very very much I want you to hold hands with the person beside you and I want you to I want you to say with me these things pastor I'm grateful for the cup of salvation thank you Lord for the cup of deliverance Thank you for taking the world out of me. Thank you for the cup of redemption. Thank you for showing my purpose. Hallelujah. My destiny. And the fourth is the cup of praise. Everybody say, Lord. I want to be a part of the dream team. (laughs) Of people that make a difference. Because difference is what it takes in this world and I want to be a part of that team get me away from me and let me see others that needs Jesus so desperately because one day on the other side somebody may walk up to me and say it hadn't been for you. I'd have never come to know the Lord. Thank you for loving me with that Jesus spirit. Lift your hands and praise him right now. You're an awesome people. Praise him right now all over the building. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. circuit ride preacher he found my grandparents on a farm outside of Mangum Oklahoma brought them the gospel put a new testament in the mailbox said we're having a tent meeting come to it find Jesus Roy's uncle, Gus Thomason. He's a hero now in Mangum, Oklahoma. He's on he's in the Hall of Fame. The gospel, horseback riding, circuit riding preacher. He's in the Hall of Fame. Not because he made a lot of money, not because he was highly educated, not because he did a lot of noble things for the community, but because he brought Jesus brought Jesus. He baptized my grandparents in the river. And I'm preaching the gospel today. I'm third generation. I'm preaching the gospel today. Second generation on my daddy's side. I'm preaching the gospel today. Because somebody wanted to make a difference. And they got outside themselves. And they brought the gospel somebody that would raise somebody who would preach the gospel. Are you glad to be in church today? Are you glad to be drinking of the fourth cup today? Come on, let's praise him in closing today. Let's praise him. Come on, praise him. Praise him all over the house. Praise him all over the house. Praise him all over the house. Come on, let's praise him. 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 Come on, clap real big for salvation. Clap for freedom. Come on, clap, clap. Lord, you know destiny. Amen. Lord, I bless this church today. I bless this church today. Thank you for the four cups. Thank you. Because we stand here today in the midst of something great and glorious thank you for it and I ask you to bless this congregation bring us back Wednesday night for a brand new series bless this church bring us back next Sunday morning for a brand new series that's starting next Sunday also thank you for the four cups that's blessed us in the month of October and we honor you we're going to get involved in people it's letting them know that Jesus loves them and he wants to save them in Jesus name said amen. Now go have a great, great day. It's going to be warmer when you go out. I love you from the bottom of my heart.